Carroll from Meiji Martial Arts and I'm here this evening with... And thank you very much. It's Meet the Masters and uh, it's an opportunity for me to speak to these three experts in their field of martial arts and understand a bit about their backgrounds. Many of, uh, many of the students listening will obviously know, but some of, some of the new students who, who have joined Meiji may not know some of the masters that we're collaborating with. So uh, for me to start, let me ask uh, Sensei Denise. Denise. What's happening to kickboxing? Is kickboxing over? Is it finished? Have you thrown it in the bin? What's going on? What's happening with these two new art, these Denise two new masters? <laughs> Explain. Okay, what I wanted to then do was um, in expand the disciplines that 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 we basically teach at. Um, uh, Meiji and with that I wanted experts in their field in order to do this so with um, coach Abel um, and master Mark Roberts I found two leading UK um, instructors experts in their field that then wanted to collaborate with Meiji kickboxing and become Meiji martial arts in that we then give a variety of martial art disciplines to people to enhance their um, confidence, their self-assurance, empowerment and in a safe environment. Okay and I mean do you think, I mean has that come about because students have asked for that or is that or or, or are you, is that your own intuition that you think that's what students want no that's the thing where over the years this is what i've always wanted to achieve be able to work with other martial art disciplines where there's no egos involved and we're all working towards a common goal and the common goal basically is to empower that person regardless of the art that they choose Okay, great. So, Master Mark, if I can ask you, I mean, you, you, you're a full-time martial arts uh, uh, um, yeah. uh, practitioner and instructor. I mean, just you know, briefly, what's your history? How did you go on? How did you start your journey in martial arts? Uh, I was born into a, a gypsy family, so. Are you, are you the, the kind of Tyson Fury of martial arts then almost? Well, my upbringing was for the first eight years, that's kind of what our really? lifestyle was, yeah. So fighting and stuff was something that um, we did from very young age, but so boxing and, and then I really got into martial arts when I was eight, nine years old with the ones that were current at the time. Um, karate, etc. And then when I was 19, that's when I got into... Megendo, that's when I first met Sensei Denise. So I was five years doing that. And then after that, then I was going to jujitsu, <clears throat> which I've done for the last 25 years, and Krav Maga for the last 12, 14 years. So can you just briefly explain, what's the difference between, say, for example, kickboxing jujitsu and what, what, what you're teaching at, at Meiji, which is Krav? What, what's the difference between those? Well... Japanese jiu-jitsu I was taught was called Ishimuru, which is modern-day jiu-jitsu. So that was my first take on jiu-jitsu. So it was a, a very sort of modern, aggressive type of, of martial art where when I've been to other Japanese jiu-jitsu, in my 
compared to it was quite tame, quite soft, where ours was much more aggressive, violent, which I recognised as more street effective. Right. Then when I got into Krav Maga, that's kind of a stripped back version where Japanese jiu-jitsu can be a bit flowery, a bit unnecessary with right. some of the stuff. It's a bit long-winded. Which in reality, that's not what you're going to use. So Krav Maga kind of shortened it down to a more simplified version of street stuff. So, you know, minimum time, maximum damage to survive a street attack. So that was kind of my appeal to that of I didn't want to compete as such. I wanted to use it in a, if I needed to use it in a real situation. And that's was my personal driving force, being in situations and then going on to train with all sorts of people. But Krava, am I, am I correct in saying Krava was, was developed by the Israeli Defence yes. Force, wasn't yeah. it? And yeah. They're the ones who pioneered that, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they took the best of other arts around and used it and teach it to their everyone that does national service and their special forces and that sort of thing. That's what they do. So it, it is a simple martial art, really. However, like everything, to be good at it, you've got to... Hours of practice. Yeah. To make it natural, it's, you know, it looks simple like anything, but the art is in its... The art is in its simplicity, but that takes many years to make that simple. Now, and, and I recall you... I mean, I think, if I remember correctly, you told me a story, where, because you actually went to Israel to train, didn't you? Yeah, several and, and you told me quite a funny story. Yeah. Because <laughs> on, your, on your, your intensive training course out in Israel... You were you you. I think you were the, you were the only civilian on the course. Is yeah, that right? I was invited out there, right, um, to really kind of one of the first people to try out as a civilian in this course. With all of the guys out there were from um, SWAT teams, special forces, current sort of people, guys in the army out there, and from all over the world, really. So I was the only civilian, but I was a full time instructor. So you've got all these guys explaining what unit they're in, and this guy's a sniper, and this bomb disposal, and this whatever and then it comes down the line and it comes to me and I'm a hairdresser <laughs> so I'm like oh my god I can't say that so I said I was a barber because I thought that was some way sounded a bit butcher than a hairdresser but I'm a barber <laughs> but yeah but it worked for me and how I mean because in all seriousness I mean that course was very super yeah, intense yeah. Wasn't you're it? up at five you train till ten it's a couple of weeks at a time it, it's yeah, and but because it's what I do all day, I found it easy enough for me. But because these guys want specialising in explosive ones, in demolition map reading, ones a sniper, so they don't do a huge amount of close combat training. Mm. So it's fairly limited. So for me, it was quite an easy thing to grasp because that's what I'm doing all day. That's my subject. Right. So, um, but yeah, so it, yeah, it took a while, kind of breakthrough to kind of get there trust and stuff but yeah right. it's the proof in the pudding great and coach abel yes when did i start training when so, did you start how, how did your your journey begin so i was a a very scared little kid and uh i find that difficult yeah, to believe yeah <laughs> <laughs> this guy's huge he he's got, he's got <laughs> it's true very true yeah uh, that's why i started martial arts um and I found a... How old, how old I were was you? 12 years old. Right. And I started with a karate. Traditional, water yeah, it was style. a Shotokan. Oh, Shotokan okay. karate. And back in the day, Shotokan was very emphasis in uh, kata. Right. Very, very good uh, in kata forms. And 
I started in Kilburn, which was a very good school in, uh, in performing cutters. But uh, it wasn't, for me, I, I didn't find, I didn't feel like uh, I was learning how to defend myself with karate because there was no testing, no sparring. So um, at 14, I, uh, there was a local uh, boys' uh, boxing club. So I thought, okay, that should be uh, close enough to me, get some sparring in there. So I started boxing and I did boxing for two years there. It was a good uh, boys' uh, club. Um, next to us, well, close to us, we had All Stars and that was a very good uh, boxing school of kids, really good. And we used to have some of the top boys come and train with us also, so it was really good. Um, and it helped my confidence because we started to do the sparring, so I started to feel a little bit better now. Um, and I was so afraid. Uh, and then I found my instructor, Glenn Kajo. He was my kickboxing instructor. And I was uh, 16 years old, yeah. I started at 16 years old until I was uh, 30, 32. Um, I did kickboxing. And I competed also in kickboxing. And for me, <clears throat> competition wasn't, I didn't want to become a world champion or European champion or anything like that. It was mainly just to test myself all the time. It was just, uh, that's why I really did martial arts and contact martial arts, just to really test. And as much as I tried to test myself, the fear would never leave me. The know, fear so. of what? Scared of fighting, scared of getting hurt. Uh, um, and that's the one thing that I learned eventually that uh, it, you're never gonna get rid of it. But what you do learn is how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, I gained from all that, you know, because I thought, okay, I'm doing all this arts, I did, you know, I did my karate, I did my uh, boxing, I'm doing now kickboxing, but I still have this fear. So uh, I sat one day with my instructor and he said, you know, he explained to me that that's normal, he has the same problem, but it's how we deal with it. So um, I started to learn that, okay, this is okay, this is not a bad thing, and uh, it helped me more. Um, and then um, in 2007, uh, I found a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I used to be, uh, I used to go, always uh, buy my martial arts illustrate. It was a magazine mm. back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Combat yeah. martial arts illustrate. And that is the first time I found Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Right. And I thought, what the hell is that? What's Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? And I thought. And I see it's all about ground fighting, and I thought, wow, and this is where the UFC was first came out, which That's was right. 19, uh, sorry, did I say 2007? I didn't start to just, sorry, this was uh, 1997. Right. Uh, and 1993 was the first MMA uh, uh, um, competition, which was the UFC competition. Which the Gracie Senior... Yes. Um, was it Roy Gracie? Hoist Gracie. Oh, he won that, didn't he? Yes, yeah. he did. So that's why I started looking at it and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I didn't think that ground fighting was effective in martial arts. I thought, oh, as a striker, if somebody gets close to me, I'll just knock them out and that's right. it. Um, so I started, I, I started really getting into it. I thought, okay, uh, this guy... 193, I think of 94, 95, and I thought, wow, this Gracie Jiu-Jitsu must be something else, must be really effective. So then the first videos that came out uh, around 97, uh, 97 is when I started with, uh, uh, they used to come out, it was on Beatonex and mm -hmm. VHS. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> old school. Old, yeah. Old, 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 uh, 
Yeah, some of you, some of the youngsters will probably think mm. that they'll have to Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started getting because they were instructionals. Uh, so I, then I was already uh, I had a team and I was uh, uh, teaching uh, kickboxing to some students. So I thought, well, let me let's see if we I can pick some of the moves and incorporate those. You know, at least learn some jujitsu. <clears throat> And uh, so that's how I did at the beginning. That's how I was doing. I was just practicing with students. I was trying really basic arm bars, uh, chokes, and so on. I had no clue, but uh, trying my best. And then in uh, 98, 99, I went to a seminar where Henzo Gracie, one of the cousins of Hoyce mm. Gracie, uh, was doing a, a grading in Birmingham because there was some just starting in Birmingham, some jujitsu. And it was uh, with uh, Mauricio Mota, he's the uh, father of, uh, of Roger Gracie, uh, which is a, he's a, an amazing competitor, world champion 10 times. Wow. So his dad was teaching up in Birmingham. So I went with a friend of mine. We went to Birmingham to do uh, Hands of Gracie seminar. And there we, uh, I asked uh, Mauricio if he was ever interested to bring Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to, to London. So he said to me, if you find a spot for me, I'll, I'll come down. So we did, we found the place where I was teaching my kickboxing. I managed to get him starting there. So he started the jiu-jitsu. So game. you were one of the wow. real pioneers of bringing yeah. jiu-jitsu to London. Yeah, the first generation of jiu-jitsu that was starting wow. in London that yeah, I was, I was there. Uh, and what appealed to jiu-jitsu? What, what, having done stand-up fighting, what was the appeal with jiu-jitsu? <sighs> Not getting punched and kicked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> was, I suppose that, that helps. Bonus, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> After all those yeah. years, I thought, yeah. So, yeah, that was... <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just uh, simplicity and... and uh, uh, um, the thing with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, even though today's... We're starting not to call it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu anymore, mm-hmm. mainly Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, the Brazilians were the ones that uh, gave it the name Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it's from Japan, it's Jiu-Jitsu from Japan. Right. So um, what really interests me about it is that it always evolves. There's always new things you can learn. And Have you evolved from what you're teaching, from what you learn? Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I always, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, there's always something new, and that's why I like it. That's right. why I, I think... Uh, I don't think I could ever stop liking it because of that. Because uh, I believe, um, like with striking, I, I, I thought, okay, a jab is a jab, a cross is a cross, a hook is a hook, you know, uppercut, you know, then you got the kicks. And with Jiu-Jitsu, it's just like, there's so many different positions, then there's submissions, then there's sweeps, reversals, uh, um, and it keeps changing, changing, changing. And I think that's what, you know, I like stimulated, that. It stimulates yeah. my brain and, 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 and the art also. Uh, so I think that's the reason why um, I was really hooked into it. And just, I, you know, for me, as a martial art, what I like, what I like about jujitsu is that you have a choice. So you can hurt somebody, which is not the best thing, mm-hmm. but also you can control them. You know, you you can decide. You know, uh, so. If I want to control this person, I can, if I want to. So that's a nice thing to have that I, I don't have to be violent. You know, I can easily just control this person without getting hurt myself mm. and also not hurting them. 
So um, I like it, that. And, you, and Coach, you also explained to me recently, because the grading, the belt grading is quite different. Yes. Because I think in jiu-jitsu, there's only five, is it five levels? Yeah, for, five belts. Five belts. And you're at, a th- is it third dan? Yes, I'm a black belt. You're a bl- black belt. But to get to, I think, fifth or sixth dan, yes. I think that, yeah, I so mean, it's like Gandalf. You have to do it for, like, years, <laughs> don't yes. you? Yes, so, um, like, the uh, corral belts, that's the uh, uh, red and black. Right. Uh, you have to be a black belt for 32 years. 32 years? Yeah, so. <laughs> Mamma mia, I, right. I don't know about getting there. Right. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, that's... It's not the highest belt, the red belt is the highest, but uh, like now we're getting more corral belts, there are more uh, uh, instructors with corral belts, but back in the day, they, like apart from the Gracies, no, there wasn't there were many, hardly any, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't find many on them. And who decides that? Is there a jiu-jitsu? So there is, there is a, there's really not an official federation, mm. uh, there's the IBJJ federation, but it's not mm. really the official that controls of jiu-jitsu mm. but they are the ones that give the belts uh, like the corral belts they're the, really right. the only federation that would really give a corral belts and that most schools go under but there's nothing there's no uh, I mean there is the Abu Dhabi they, they have their own federation there is another federation also in Brazil that's not part of the IBJJF so there's about three or four different uh, federations Coach I'd like to ask you another question actually um I remember spe- speaking with you recently and I asked you, I think I asked you a question and I can't, or I can't recall exactly the question I asked you, but your answer was really interesting. I think I said to you, are you, are you a great fighter or, or something like that? And you said to me, I'm not a great fighter, I'm a great martial artist. Yes. Which yes. I thought, that was a very deep answer <laughs> to a really stupid question really, but uh, it, was, it was a really good, a really good answer. So can you, uh, can you explain what, what you meant by that? I think um, I, I think of, I, I like I, I've I've competed myself uh, as a fighter. I I, I kickbox uh, and I also did ju- jujitsu uh, turn, uh, turn tournaments also. But yeah, um, I think uh, a martial artist is, is uh, I wouldn't say that a fighter isn't, uh, but uh, a fighter of course is dis- uh, disciplined like a martial artist is. But I, I think is. Uh, um, it's the learning. I, I, I find it really different a fighter to a, a martial artist, I, uh, um, and the calmness also. I feel like sometimes fighters are really, uh, and, and I, I, I'm not that type, you know. I, uh, what the pent up aggression? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think a martial artist is a peaceful, peaceful person. Sometimes fighters can be peaceful, but I find them a little bit more aggressive. Uh, so I always, when people ask me, are you a fighter? I like to think, you know, I like to consider myself as a martial artist, more of a peaceful person than, than a fighting person. You know, so I think that's what I, I, that's what I really mean when I'm a martial artist first before uh, a, a fighter. fighter. Okay, so let me ask all of you now. I mean, in terms of martial arts, is there a, is there a difference, do you notice, when students come to you and want to do do a martial art for the first time versus what their perception of martial arts is versus what the reality is. Yeah. Do, do they come in with pre pre preordained ideas because they've seen stuff on movies or whatever? So what would you say is? So a lot of the time when you get people coming for a free trial, 
they've got the preconceived ideas that <clears throat> we're going to then do three or four moves that will make them invis- invincible. Right. <laughs> and then when you then actually break it down and say... These okay, two are laughing now. Go on, go on. Yeah, must say, be okay, you've got yeah. to then do basics and basics is the foundation. You get this look on their face saying, basic what? Mm. I've got to practice. Mm. And so it's, it's almost then throwing out all their ideas that they hadn't said, okay... In order for you to be good at anything, you have to then practice. Right. And you've got to then commit and put time to it. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Right. And as soon as they then understand that, you'll get the, the kind of people that want one or two moves and then go out and shout about it. They go, oh, okay, that's not for me. Right. And then you'll get the other person that will go, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. This is the path that I want to then travel. Right. And Mark, have you found, I mean, with with crab, presumably it's slightly different, I assume, but correct me if I'm wrong. Do people come for for slightly different reasons for for crab? Yeah, I I can get people that come and they've watched The Equaliser. (laughs) Right, great film. Taken, Jason Bourne, and they want to come in and they want to be doing all the fancy stuff. And of course, you know, you start at the bottom of the stairs and, you, you know, there's a lot of stairs. Right. So it takes a long time, but yeah, people want that. I get people, guys, my age group, mid four. Well, I'm mid forty-seven. I want to yeah. be lethal. This way, I want to be lethal. That's what they say oh, to yeah. you, and straight away you just do they think, really? Oh, man, yeah, it's not, it's not the attitude. Or I'd love to wake Coach up. Coach is grinning here. Coach is grinning. Tomorrow, and know what you know. Yeah, it must be great to walk around with that knowledge. Yeah. Honey. I never think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I look in the mirror, I see an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think about it. It's like language. Right. You don't think about, oh, great, I can speak four languages. You, right. you can just do it, but it's not... Right. So when I get people like that, I'm always a bit like, okay, it's not really kind of the starting point that I like in someone. Right. You, you know, you've got to be humble and you've got to go in an empty cup and like, okay, this is what I want. You're not with these preconceptions. Would you, can, can I ask you, do you think that's... A, how, how important is humility? Because it's spoken... Is because it? you can't educate someone if they come in and... I've done this and I want to do this and I've done a bit of this because you really got to try and erase that and start at the bottom you know whatever you think you are you've got to be that white belt and learn my way or coach's way or sense's way that's the way and you know some people and they want the fast track approach they want to be two steps at a time and, and I'm afraid it's it's a slow progress and but it's worth it but yeah it's May I ask you, I mean, I ask all of you, are you amazed by students who you see and they come along in the beginning and you think, oh my word, this this individual boy or girl doesn't matter, you know, they've got the potential and then they drop out and then you see a couple of donkeys and you think, oh my God, they'll never, you know, I don't think they'll last and they they, they stay. Do you you see that? Do you remember you're... uh, where again the King's Cross the mm. world is full of it's full of unfulfilled talent correct mm-hmm. perseverance and dedication alone are powerful yes I think that's right to the word and that's so true you get people that come in they're just they've just got it and then you've got other people I've got one guy Des who said he, he, he's not blessed with that great dexterity and he said he's the sort of guy that could lap, get lapped in the 100 metres <laughs> right he's that guy Right. But he's, he's there every week. Learn. And right. that place, the tortoise in the head, that person will get to finish because they've got the discipline and dedication 
that some people have got talent it's easy for them right. don't possess right and really that's you know your club is built on people like that okay so what would you say are the top coach what would you say are the, the, the top three attributes to be a really successful martial artist what would you say the attributes are for any person who's listening to this thinking I've never done martial arts what would you say the key qualities are that you need uh, I, I think you well, I always we always used to uh, uh, London Fire Factory we used to have a, a sign up and we used to say uh, we used to say leave your ego outside yes right you know, so. we used to have that on the f- <laughs> we used to have that on the floor right because you'd have to step in right. and step over it right so everybody used had to, to read it, it. Yeah. yeah very very important uh, ego uh, or lack of lack of ego yeah, yeah. exactly uh, so um, so just listening to the other masters I, I, mm. I was it's just really funny because uh, it reminds me of uh, of uh, some situations that we've had also uh, uh, at least my experiences in the martial arts with students and it's, it's so was that uh, they want to learn quick uh, and you think geez I, I've been doing this for how many years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had, I'll just tell you a quick story yeah. I had a, I had an MMA uh, a gentleman come in once at London Fight Factory when I was over there and he was a he was a British he was probably the biggest British MMA fighter uh, and he came through the door. He was, I think, he was close to seven foot tall. Oh my one good of the Lord. biggest MMA uh, Britain had, and he already been fighting MMA for quite a bit. And he came in, and uh, he said, uh, "Oh, it's uh, Abel Martinez here." And I thought, "Jesus, oh, what have I done?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked across and I said, "That's me." Yeah. And every time he was walking forward, forward, he was getting bigger. Right. Bigger. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I said yes can I help you yeah. and he said uh, I was told about you and uh, I want you to train me so I thought okay um, so he said to me I've got to fight in one month's time and I want you to get me ready and I said one month's time and you come to me now so I said to him Man, what do you think I am God you know what what, what do you expect me to do in one month right. so he was expecting me to mm-hmm. so when we started the training there was a lot of mistakes he was making. One was getting choked in the back, which we call the rear naked choke, and uh, taking the back. So I was trying to help him uh, not to uh, to stop doing that same mistake. But he did one thing. Uh, one thing that uh, that I asked for him is to come and train, uh, and this is where the ego comes in. Um, and uh, he didn't train didn't train really much with me. He came maybe out of that month, he came maybe a week for training, uh, but expected the results at the end of the month. You know, So he wanted me to be there on the, uh, on the room with him, which I refused, because I said to him, if you don't come and train, you can use our name, can't use Random Fight Factory, because it's our reputation, and we had a good reputation. Right. Uh, so he wasn't very happy with that, and uh, <laughs> funny enough, <laughs> When he fought that night, he lost by a rear naked child. You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, You're kidding. Did. Yeah, yeah, he did. But, um, like I said, the ego took over. He thought he was good enough. He thought that the one or two sessions that he had with, him, with me, that was going to be enough to yeah. for him to uh, to be able to win that fight. And funny enough, uh, the result was there. Uh, he got uh, submitted by the rear naked child that was trying to help him not to... Uh, get choked with so so yeah so a lot of and that's 
and that's an elite fighter right which is sometimes the hardest people to deal with why do you say that because they have preconceived ideas of how good they are yes, they don't yes. want to listen they don't, they don't think uh, i don't think that's right i don't think that that technique is going to work i don't think that that defense is going to work right you know so it's really hard i always for me i always say i like to have new students coming why do you say that because it's easier to get uh, uh, for them to to really listen and to take everything you say right somebody that thinks they know everything is really really hard to uh, you know for the, to really like to prove to them look this does work this doesn't work you know so i i find i find very for me when i get somebody that's that wants to come and learn but unless you're really open minded and really want to then it becomes it gets really hard at least in my experiences uh, uh, so I always say I prefer just somebody to come through the door mm. new a blank page a blank, a blank page, page. Much, yeah, much, easier. much easier okay let's talk about young children who come and train yes. because when you've got I suppose 8 year olds 10 year olds 40 you know uh, young teenagers as well when they're coming in what, what are their expectations because they must be different from an adult presumably yeah or, or, or are they there under the because the parents say yeah, get in there and train I think most of them <laughs> yeah I think I think kids because jiu-jitsu is still really new right uh, so when you tell I mean most parents they come I don't think they even look at oh jiu-jitsu they think oh it's, a, it's karate it's uh, you know, usually it's karate. You always hear the karate word. Right. Okay. No, it's not karate. <laughs> very true. <laughs> it's not karate. I wonder if that's because of Cobra Kai. Yeah. 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 I think because as soon as they think of martial arts, they yeah. think of a film, they think, which is the most popular film? Right. Karate Kid. Karate Kid, yeah. yeah. So, so I think right. that's the reason why they always, oh, it's karate, I put my, yeah. my kid in there. And, right. And of course, when they go in and they see, oh, wait a minute, this is totally different. But I think for parents, as, as they... For them, it's a martial arts, so it's great to have their kids. But I think the kids are, um, I think with any martial arts, uh, I think as, as long as you make it fun, the kids enjoy it. They so do, it so fun is a key factor. Yeah, really, yeah. really important with kids. So I think in any martial art, it has to be fun. It has to be really fun for the kids. Uh, then whatever techniques you show, and that's the other part of it, but I think it always has to be fun for the kids to keep them interested also. And yeah, it's like the Gracies used to do this with all their nephews and their sons. Their first 15, 20 minutes, it was play football. Play football? Play football, play football. That was their warm up. Play football, play football, play football. While they're playing football, they go, well, do this. And they'll, you show a chunk to. to <laughs> all right. Like this. He goes, okay, guys, try that. Yeah. Then you can carry on playing football. So right. that's, that's how they used to induct them. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so making, I think, you know, I don't think you could start martial arts class <laughs> doing football, you know, for 15, 20 minutes. Right. But whatever you do and make it fun. But it was engaging the kids. I suppose yeah, that's the exactly. thing, wasn't it? They were, they have, they found a way to, to, to grab mm. their attention. Now you have, we have other games that we play, you know, you can play with kids and that, and, and then, you know, they have to, there has to be also discipline also with kids. They've got to know that there's time to play, but there's also time to now. To learn. To learn. And Denise, with the, with the kickboxing, I mean, what, what do you think most parents want for their kids? It, it, is it more the... It's, do you it's think? like with any um, martial art, um, it's discipline, respect and courtesy. Those are the three drivers? Those are the three drivers because 
regardless of whatever martial art you do, right. those are the three main philosophies that any martial art will teach you. And so for the, for the parents, that's what they're looking for. And again, going along with what Coach Abel said, it's getting them engaged. So we will also do games, but they'll be hand and eye coordinated games. Mm. So the children are still learning something at the same time thinking it's a game, but it's an actual skill. And then it becomes easier to them when they then do the kicks and punches mm -hmm. to then coordinate on how they then do those techniques. Mm. And Mark, have you noticed? I mean, I'm assuming with Crav, it's for an older crowd. Yeah, yeah I mean, 16 when the, yeah, sixteen. I mean, when the, when when you've got youngsters coming along, are they are they? Would you say are they intimidated young people? Are they coming? Yeah, some. Or, or are they? Or are they kind of coming? Sometimes you get them after the horse has bolted, after they've been attacked, after they've been assaulted, raped, whatever. So, um, so so some people have come after an attack. Some people come because they're worried of one so yeah people have different sort of motivations of why they want to learn something or quite a few older people that the older people get I get guys who are quite tough in their day but now they're older and they feel vulnerable that toughness has left them and now as they're out and they're older that they feel more intimidated by this younger generation and what do I do if someone comes up and grabs me or stops me getting to my car or whatever? What do I do? So, because one thing you one people. thing you said to me, which was, uh, you know, I thought really struck, uh, you know, struck a chord with me because you 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 have a number of students um, who who have who train with you who have been attacked. Yeah. And one thing you said to me is that um, the, the physical scars invariably always Absolutely. repair. But the mental scars always stay with them for, for years to come. Oh, yeah. so, so without wishing to sound too, you know, maudling about things, because martial arts is a very positive yeah. uh, um, um, skill. But I mean, can you just elaborate on, you know, some of the students of what the effects have been when, when they have been attacked? The effects? Yeah. yeah. So I've got a girl that comes to my, one of my classes. She's probably in my age group, uh, mid to late 40s. She was attacked during the day. Um, someone asked for her bag, purse. She gave it to them. He then punched her in the face, knocked mm. her down. She's laying on the floor against the wall and he took three or four, sort of almost like taking a penalty, just kicking her repeatedly in the face. That's terrible. God. So she, that kind of really distressed her, not just obviously the physical things, but she'd given him what he wanted and it didn't matter anyway, because he still wanted to beat her that much, that fractured both her eye sockets. And so she didn't go out of the house for a year. Um, and obviously she suffered post-traumatic stress from mm -hmm. that. And then when she comes to my class every Thursday, we walk her back to her car mm -hmm. because, you know, it's 9.15, 9.30 mm -hmm. at night. So she's still understandably fearful, but gradually learning some skills that just gives her a bit of confidence and a bit of empowerment. Have you noticed, I mean, have you noticed the change in, is she, is she more confident? I'm yeah, assuming I mean, she must be much more confident in, now. In also just how she networks in the class. She's more confident in, in talking and greeting people. That side of things has come out that she feels more common around strangers, as well as sort of developing some skills in, you know, so a lot of self-defense is reading situations rather than just, oh, I do a wrist lock and I do a takedown or an elbow strike. Mm. It's reading people, it's reading situations to avoid it. So do, you, do, you, do you think martial artists, I mean, one thing I noticed about all three of you is that you do have a, how can I put this, a, 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 a quietly 
disarming aura about you. you you're all very confident, <laughs> if I can put it mildly, like that. I mean, do you think that's half the battle when you're out on the street? 100%. Yes, yeah. most definitely. People pick on people that look afraid. I always think of an animal that's going to attack another animal. He'll pick on the one that's distracted and looking down. It tastes the same as, as a bigger animal, so why make it hard for yourself? So if you do have a, a confidence when you're out, people recognise that, they smell that on you. So absolutely, your posture, the way you look, signifies a lot about you and how you're feeling. So if you're looking down and looking scared, people recognise that. You look easier to attack because you're not going to put up much of a challenge. We look at this guy. Yeah, I know, he's fine, <laughs> isn't he? Have you seen those hands? I'd give God. him one. Yeah. How you project yourself. Yeah. Is a big step in how other people read you. Yeah. Absolutely. So one of my first lessons when I was at Megendo was basically um, in terms of self-defence and how not to become a victim, mm. it was if you're going somewhere and even if you then get lost or you don't know, project as though you do know where you're going and how you walk. Mm. Even if you do not know, because you don't know who's watching you mm. or who's going to come up behind you. But if mm. you walk with an air of confidence and you then, with an air of confidence and, and where you're going in direction, then it's between you and somebody that's looking head down, not sure. Mm. And between the two, it's the one that's got their head down that then would then more likely to be attacked than you. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, uh, another uh, cu curious question I've got. I mean, I'm just looking at the three of you. I think if my maths is right, there must be nearly 100 years of martial arts experience amongst the three of you. Conservatively, I You're would say. No, I think. <laughs> but there's a, there, there, there's there's a hundred. I think there's probably not far off. for me. Uh, me. A hundred years of experience between the three of you. Reflecting back on your careers mm. as martial artists and also as, as as teachers, as senseis or coaches or masters. But reflecting back, what would you say the biggest three lessons you've learned? in terms of, and I'm speaking from a teaching perspective, as a teacher, as a sensei, what are the biggest three lessons you've learned about being a teacher? Patience. Patience. Yeah, patience is huge. Uh, Non-judgmental. In what, can you, can you elaborate um, on that? Because you're, sometimes you'll see a person and the way they project themselves may feel, you give you the impression, um, they know something or they can do something, but when you then actually ask them to do it, they have no idea. <laughs> right. And, right. And, and sometimes I'm that like that with DIY. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's that patience and then just being, having no kind of judgment about that person, just seeing how they take what you say and right. how they process that. Right, and because presumably everyone does it differently, Everybody right? does it differently. Some do it audibly, some do it visually. So it's understanding what's the connection on your learning. Do you learn by watching or do you learn by um, actually verbal? Right. And that in itself is a skill. Okay. Um, so we've got patience, non-judgmental coach, the third one. I, I would say thankful also. I, I'm really thankful uh, for the people that I meet. Yeah. Uh, um, I say always to my students how blessed I am because of the people I've met 
on the mat. Uh, and you do you do meet some not so great people, but really a small minority. Really small, small compared to how amazing people I've met. Uh, and I think I owe that all to all my students and everybody that I train with because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be who I am today. So uh, I owe a lot to my students because uh, you know if you don't do any other things, not any other activities or anything, you'll never meet people and appreciate people. And I really do. You know, like a lot of I've met people that have you know, oh God, I, I prefer my dog to humans. <laughs> I think you're talking about my wife, yeah. And I always tell them, and I always say, really? Because I met some amazing people. You have? Yes, I have. And, you know, and I think if you've never have, then, you know, then for me, I feel like I must be really blessed then. Because there are some amazing people, like the people sitting on this table, you know, so I'm blessed already for me. Uh, for me and all of you guys and and the rest of my students and the rest you know so yeah I think I I, I would say that mm-hmm. from that side you know I'm, I'm uh, really thankful uh, uh, as an instructor to be in this position and to be able to meet uh, all the people that have been it's true it's a privilege isn't it and I thank my guys because they go oh, thank you for the training tonight and I think, right. but you the people they're the club Right. Yeah, I just give them the stage to perform yeah. on. Correct. Who would I be without them? There is no club. Yes. So I'm grateful for their commitment and their trust that you've all the people and places you've gone, you chose me. And it keeps you very humble. We should. Because mm. you could go anywhere, but you've chosen to come and learn and commit to me and pay your money to me and learn and study under me. And that's and sometimes you stand there in front of these people and you just think, oh, you kind of can feel a bit unworthy of that. Because you think, I'm just... I'm just a normal guy. I'm, you know, no, I, I, people don't even welcome me when I come in through my front door. <laughs> they're here in the mat. And the dog don't. Know. And yeah, these people want to come and learn, and they're respectful, and they hold you in, in some esteem, and, and that's that's an amazing thing. Because you know, I don't know about these two guys, but you know, I have lots of self doubt and insecurities. And that helps that by helping these people feel good about their doubts and insecurity, making them feel good and achieve things. And you kind of think, oh yeah. I'm, kind of help yourself you yeah. know it does make you feel better about you by these people that think oh I must be doing something right and okay. that keeps you humble okay and reflecting back on your careers I mean because you've all had extraordinary careers you've won you know between you you've won and done uh, some amazing things who who ask each of you who who in your career would you say is a standout in terms of influence for you as as you were you know, as it, as it were, learning the ropes or going through the, you know, the system. Who, is there anyone who kind of stood out for you? More than one? Or, or yeah, is there, is there, who do you have that, you know, you think, wow, you know, that person, like, you know. Like, well, sometimes I see, I, for me, like my, my kickboxing instructor was a big influence for me, just because I, I think even back in the days, um, if you look at today, the, the privilege of instructors, the money they can make, I mean, they're not rich or super rich or anything, mm. but they're making money. And back then, I feel like the instructors were teaching almost for free, mm. you know? Uh, like my coach was really not teaching anything back in, back in the day. And uh, the time that he put, you know, and uh, I was there for you and it wasn't, it wasn't just there for me, 
uh, on the mat, uh, at the gym, outside the house, uh, you know, if I had, had any problems, you always spend a lot of time. When I had my beliefs in, you know, my fear, how he helped me a lot. So, yeah, I, I owe him a lot. Um, and then on the side of how to be, uh, you know, you start a, a gym, how to be, well, I wouldn't say so much how to be with your students because I wouldn't say he was an influence for me there. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention his name. Right. Uh, that side, I couldn't, I couldn't really put him in there. But, right. but as, a, as a, a businessman and instructor, he was, he was the first guy in the gym and the last guy to leave the gym. And I admired him for that. And then my biggest, biggest influence is my students. Yeah, your yeah. students. Absolutely, they true. do. They my true. biggest, biggest influence. You do, they do inspire you. You feel mm. fulfilled. Yeah. Mm. Nothing, nothing, I think nothing beats that. Mm. You watch them sometimes, yeah. and I'm guilty sometimes. I'm, you know, if I'm grading them, and you know, if I'll have no hesitation failing people. If, I always say the standards there, you must reach. If you don't reach it, that's it. It's felt. Yeah. But sometimes I'm, I kick myself because I'm so busy, almost looking for things that I think oh, that could be quite. That I miss so much of the good stuff. Right. But I realise, you know, when I watch it back, sometimes I feel and I just think, God, that's that's amazing. That and I find that, you know, really inspiring. Are there any individuals who had a profound effect on you? Yeah. And, and sometimes it's not always in a positive way. Right. Someone can be quite critical. I remember, who I won't name a name. Right. You know. Um, who at, at, at 19, I said I wanted to be a martial arts instructor. That was, right. my, that was my dream. Right. Um, and he said, well, you, you're useless. You'll never make it. Right. But did that spur you, spur you yeah, on? Yeah, because I thought, well. you don't know what's inside me. Right. So that was actually a really good thing. If you go, oh, yeah, you're going to be amazing. I thought, oh, I've got this in the bag. Right. So that, to me, was, um, that actually helped me because I kind of thought, I'll show you. Yeah. And 20 years later, he came to watch me and he said, at what you do, you're the best I've ever seen. Yeah. So that was a high, that was high praise to be done. Exactly. So, so had I not had that comment, but I knew then, I'm, this is what I want, this is what I'm passionate about. Mm. I want to train people. I kind of want to do this. I know I can do this well. I'm mm. just not ready to do it yet. But, you know, but so... Yeah, so even though it was quite negative, that was actually very... In, in it was a motivator. It was. it was a moment of motivation. I, thought, right, I can go two ways. I can believe you or I can prove you wrong. And I proved him wrong because I, I, I knew what was in me, yeah, hadn't quite come to fruition yet. But it but was within you to oh, come I out. I knew this is what I wanted to do, to train people and inspire people in what I saw and believed in that I could do this. So... Mm. Yeah, that was massively influential. Some of the guys I trained with in Israel are who are at the top of their field in the military and what they do. I was there one day, the guy was a, a sniper, young lad. We were in the middle of training, we were doing some drills. He gets a call, he has to go, there's a hostage situation. Flies off in a helicopter, comes back a few hours later. He literally goes, what have I missed? And I said, oh, we're just doing some gun disarms. I said, what, what do you do? He said, oh, we had a hostage situation. So what did you do? He said, oh, I shot him. <laughs> right. It was just like, and I said, how was that? And he went, yeah, that's what I do. Anyway, what we do? And he was just like, oh my God. And I said, how old are you? He was 19. Oh my goodness. Just a, just a really cool kid, nice guy. Just That's what his job was. Off he went, came back, carried on like it was nothing. And I was thinking, wow. Just never, never, 
people like that, they stay, they, I speak to him now, people stay with you. It's, yeah, another world. Another world. And someone younger as well. Oh, yeah. But good shot. Just what you did. Yeah. And Denise, for you? Um, I love films. So yeah. somebody oh, that guy. I've always um, emulated is Sidney Potier. Yeah. Oh. Purely Very classy guy, actually. Very classy Oscar, guy. Yeah. First, first black guy to then get mm. the Oscar. I and it was when he was then saying, um, either in his exception speech or after, in that he was then saying, I want to then be there for somebody else, for other people to see me mm. and to emulate what I do. And in that way, it was like, okay, I could be a role model for other women for other black women, for white women, whatever, but I could be a role model for others uh, in, what I, in what I do and how I do it mm. so that people don't need to be afraid um, to actually go and try uh, or to, to actually go into this, go into it. Because when I started martial arts, there were no women. It was, it was male-dominated mm. and it was very much a little bit like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're fighting that as well as saying well I actually want to learn how to defend myself if something does happen and okay fine I know a few moves but at that same time it's very much okay why isn't there any more women and did other women come along After. during your sort of tenure there yes but again it wasn't many because back then it was you know, don't step up if you can't keep up. Yeah. So very much, um, if you can't take what's going on in terms of the technique and the way that we do it. That was a tough dojo, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you then, that's the door, mm. go. Um, and so it was very much in that way where you want to challenge yourself um, and a little bit of one of my own little kind of mentors or mottos is you know uh, for me um, what I like to then say to myself sometimes is that I will challenge life uh, rather than life challenge me so I'll actually like, go through the problems go in go through whatever door needs to be go through hit whatever needs to be hit in order to open up for everybody else yeah and do you think that as well because I know for me Fear has been quite a big driver. I've been scared to go and do things sometimes. When I, I must say, uh, Mark, looking at you, uh, I, I, it's difficult to imagine you'd ever be scared. I, I, but massive fears of things. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes that's what drives me, because I think, well, am I going to succumb to that and give in? Or am I going to try and face it? Then am I going to even, I'd rather try something and fail than, than not try. So, there, yeah, the first time I went to it, I was... I was, you know, scared. It's an intimidating place to go for me, um, and so you know. my so so my penultimate question would be this: Is the battle in martial arts, therefore, given listening to what all of you are saying, particularly on that last that, that last comment, is the is the biggest battle the battle of self, Always. of the yes. mind? Yes, Always. that's your hardest opponent. Yes, remember Mike Tyson's training Customato, making him stand in front of a mirror and said, that's the hardest opponent you'll ever face. That's the person telling you not good enough. That's the person that will make you question everything. Absolutely. That's the person that creates all the monsters in your head. Yeah. yeah Nothing's I, bigger I, than that. Yeah. I, I believe that 
the physical attributes are one thing being physical, but the mental side is the hardest thing to to really deal with. That's you could be physically super fit, but if you're not mentally a hundred percent. And these two guys, unlike me, have competed. I've not. I've competed in a bodybuilding thing, but that's completely different. But do you find that that bit before you compete, you yeah. you, you yeah, roll, you fight, that you it's that you turn it. Do you into look at that person, and think, damn, they look bigger than me. They look better than me. They look yeah. they look calmer than me. Do you do you feel that? Yeah, I, it, not just myself, me feeling that, but uh, young. Some of you already know that competing in one of the tournaments, uh, he. Uh, uh, he was looking at his opponent on the other side and he went, Coach, I think that's the guy I'm competing. Oh my God, look how big he is. He looks scary. And I was like, off your mind. Don't you dare stop. You haven't even stepped on the mat and you're really thinking like that. I said, take that off your mind. Yeah, so it, of course, it happens to all of us. Anybody that says, oh no, I don't have these problems, then I think then you have a problem. Yes. You know, yes. so... Um, so yes, uh, and just just wanted to just go back uh, uh, of what uh, Master Mark was saying. Um, uh, oh jeez, I, I was just I wanted to go back, but yeah. now I've forgotten because of the because we talked about. Um, Sorry, right, I'll go. I'll okay, back all right. Last question <laughs> then, while Coach reminisces about that question. But my last question would be to any of the students who are listening. You know. Uh, to, to, to the three of you speaking and maybe they've started their martial arts journey and maybe they're, you know, their yellow belt or whatever, they're just progressing they're, they're, they're on that conveyor belt of, of going through and, and this great experience hopefully with Meiji but, uh, you know, they're on their martial arts journey what advice would you give to them? What advice, what's the biggest bit of advice with the benefit of hindsight that you've all had in terms of you know, when they may think, oh God, I can't, you know, the training's a bit hard and I've failed my grading or I didn't do as well as I thought. And what advice would you be giving to, the stu- to, to your students? Be patient, be committed. Yeah. Mm. I think they're huge things. You know, I, I use this analogy a lot with people. Mm. All right, this is my little take. If you get a bowl of water and put it on the pan and you turn the heat right up, you're pumping all this energy into it. For quite a long time, nothing seems to happen. You go and you put your finger in the water, it's still cold. And yet you're putting all this energy in and nothing seems to change. And so many people at that point think, oh, God, it's too much effort, and they turn the gas off and walk away. But if you keep putting that same amount of work and effort in, if you look there first, it comes one bubble, and then two, and before you know it, it's bubbling, and the same amount of energy you put in the beginning, at the end, is bubbling completely now, and you're not trying mm. any harder. And that's the bit where so many people quit when they want the results, they start off with this idea, and when they put this effort in and they're kind of not getting it and they get frustrated with it and they go. But if you keep putting that same effort in, you'll get your reward. So it's that patience. And what is the reward? In. You get a passion for it. Become martial arts is a way of life. It's, yes. it's not a hobby. Yeah. It's a way of life. It's a way of living. That's what it gives you. Not just to defend yourself. There's such a small part of the ego on tough. There's always someone bigger and stronger than I'm sitting next to one. There's always <laughs> someone bigger and tougher than you. And that's, yeah. that's how it should be, because that's what keeps you humble. You're not the biggest, toughest guy around. Mike Tyson got beat. He was my hero. He was my hero my, as my well. He was incredible. I watch him now against Sonny Liston. I think, but there's still someone that beat him. So it's a, it's, it's a way of life. It is a way of life. And I've had loads of students that leave but they end up coming back, it pulls you back. Because it's, it's not a hobby like 
football or something. It's more than that. It gets in on you. It's a way of life, you think? It, gets in it becomes you. part of you. It does? It becomes part of you. It owns you. Yeah. Coach, yeah. last word from you? Uh, no, I agree. I agree with the masters, what they say. Uh, I, I, I love martial arts. Um, and uh, definitely has been a part of my life. Uh, and I think anybody that joins will probably feel the same if they're still doing it like I've been doing it. And probably they'll be saying the same as the love of, of the art and uh, the lifestyle. A, a lot of people uh, um, um, keep mentioning, just say, or if you ever uh, talk to a, any other martial artists that have been doing it for a long time, they'll tell you that the lifestyle is a, is a big thing for them. But but the, la- the love of the The love of the arts, art. Yeah, yeah. Definitely without a doubt. That's why we're still here, because we still have the same love, the same passion for it. Uh, and it will never, like I say, it's, it's in our DNA. No, it's just, uh, it will never leave us. You never get bored of teaching, do you? Yeah. I still love teaching the most simple things. <laughs> exactly. I still love their face. Like, it's like a magic trick to them when you do a disarm or a takedown. They're just like, how'd you do that? That, that excitement in someone, that is so addictive as much for them as it is me. But that goes back to what you said at the very beginning when you said to me, why is it that you've wanted to expand? It's because I've, I've wanted to meet like-minded people who have a love and a passion for the martial arts and then take it forward. Well, on that note, what a great way to end this little vodcast, <laughs> Sensei Denise. So look, on behalf of, well, on behalf of me, Stefan, and I'm sure of all the students who are listening to this, Coach Abel, Master Mark, Sensei Denise, thank you very, very much. Thank you. And uh, yes. hopefully we'll do this again, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.